The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Let me tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football and basketball this season. Just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog Fantasy handles it all for you. Just go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, or any of the individual games that you can find, and that's it. No in-season management. You can even bring your own home league over to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code 5RSN and you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's right. Use the promo code 5RSN and use a 100% deposit match up to $100. Underdogfantasy.com Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code 5. That's the word 5, F-I-V-E. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. Follow my lead and open an account with BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. This show is brought to you by Lewis Peters State Farm, agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States for more than 60 years combined experience in the insurance industry. Local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, you have access to them 24-7, walk-in, call-in, click-in through lewispeters.com. You can find them online on social media at SF Agent Peters, or you can call at 305-275-5585. Remember, lewispeters.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards for Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Coffin will be here for the second part of the show. As always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN for 20% off your entire order. Hello, Simon. Hello, Al. They're facing Joe Flacco this week. Does that <laughs> make are. you excited? Or... I don't no, know. It's, the, it's the worst of the three that you'd want to choose, actually. Um, quite frankly, because, you know, Flacco's the most experienced. He's probably the least. No, that's not true. I was going to say the least talented. That's not true. He, you know, this is the guy that is experienced, has beaten the Dolphins before, knows what it takes to win, has won a Super Bowl, you know, is a gamer, understands the playbook, understands how to move an offense, all those sorts of things. You know, the Mike White era is over, um, I think. Uh, and Zach Wilson, not 100%, obviously. So, um, you know, I, I suspect Wilson will be the backup. But, you know, Flacco is a, he brings an interesting challenge because, you know, he's a quick decision maker. So you wonder about whether or not they'll work on that cover zero and and how they'll um, how they'll try and, 
you know, you try and make out like he's playing Joe Montana, but you try and counter what Joe Flacco can, can bring to the table. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I think the, the key is, you know, ball control against a, against a defence that is, you know, historically bad, actually, when you consider that, I mean, I think they've allowed 175 points in their last four games, which is the second most since the merger back in 1970. Um, I think they're the first team to allow 45 points three times in the game since 1966 and their crosstown rivals the Giants and they've surrendered 1,890 total yards in the last four games that is the worst four game period in NFL history so um, yeah you want to you know make those drives that you have on offense count and you know knowing that on offense they do you know they do have some decent players you know Jameson Crowder can get open. Keenan Cole's been decent. Corey Davis is coming back. Elijah Moore's played pretty well. So, you know, skill position players, they can, you know, they can hurt you. But um, come on, you know, we should be beating these, you know, they're without what Denzel Mims and Marcus May and Carl Lawson and, you know, Bryce Huff and Vinnie Curry and Cam Clark and Mackay Beckton. And, you know, we should be turning this lot over. And, you know, this should be uh, Miami back to four and seven, hopefully. Yeah. And, Here's the, the the thing, and I don't think we're going to spend too much time on the Jets, although, you know, I've seen them play a lot. They throw their backs, and their backs are pretty good out of the backfield, right? Yeah. Like, if you look at Carter, like, he's been good. And I didn't like him coming out. I liked his 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 backfield mate, Javonta Williams, better. And I don't know if you watched him play at Denver. Um, as advertised, he's pretty good. I think he's underutilized, although they, they keep giving the ball to Melvin Gordon. I don't know if you've seen too much of him. I like Carter. Actually, I like Javonta Williams is playing well in Denver as well and getting the ball more and more each week. Carter's done a decent job. He's playing behind a terrible offensive line. Let's not let's not forget. You know, they don't have Beckton, like I said, you know, they're starting George Fant and and Morgan Moses. Elijah Vera Tucker's played all right as the, you know, as a rookie, but you know, they're really struggling up front, really struggling to 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 get any movement um to help out either Carter or Tevin Coleman or or even LaMichael P. Ryan, who obviously um um, we know a little bit from Florida and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't fear their running game at all, but then they wouldn't fear our running game. But, you know, I think with us getting the ball, I, I think the Dolphins will try and establish some run. Uh, this is the week to do it, certainly, you know, with that mm. with that leaky front seven that they have. But also, you know, like we talked about, Marcus May, they're essentially their defensive leader. I know CJ Mosley is co-team, co-defensive captain, but, you know, without Marcus May in the secondary, you know, you're matching up with guys like, you know, Jason Pinnock and, and Bryce Hall, who's never quite got back after the injury at Virginia. And Javelin Guidry has kicked around the league a little bit and Brandon Eccles. And, you know, this is um, this is not a good group and we need to be taking advantage of that, even with a depleted wide receiver core. You know, you feel like this could be a big breakout. Not that he needs a breakout because he's played really well, but this could be a breakout day for, for Jalen Waddle. But he's going to need some support from, you know, whether that's Preston Williams Oh, who am I kidding? He's going to be injured. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I like that you mentioned the, the, you mentioned the, the running game. I don't remember a Dolphin team because even last year, they weren't, they didn't have a great running game. But every once in a while, they showed up to have a big game, like against San Diego, the 250 yards against New England. This running game is, I don't remember one worse. Do you? Because yeah, I don't. Not, no, it's not been a, um, it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. But this is, you know, this is part of the problem. You know, you look at the, I mean, 
I've seen enough of Indianapolis this season to know what a massive whiff we took on Jonathan Taylor. Yes. Um, you know, who's now a top three or four running back in the NFL. You know, would he have had the same, would he have had the same uh, results behind our line that he has behind, you know, Quentin Nelson and, and um, you know, performing Notre Dame Central's name completely escapes me. But no, of course he wouldn't, you know, but he's still Jonathan Taylor, you know. Yeah, you know, in the league at those players that we could have had. Najee Harris had a decent day against the against the Lions and has had a good season on course for twelve hundred yards rushing, and he's such a red zone threat out of the backfield. So, you know, it's um, our, you know, we're we're essentially being powered by you know, and give Ahmed and especially Miles Gaskin credit. I know Chris hates Miles Gaskin, but you know they're doing the best that they can with their maxed out skill set on an offense that is really struggling behind a historically bad offensive line, you know, essentially these a third down change of pace backs who are being asked to, to carry a load, which they're just not built for physically or, you know, skill set wise, they're just not, but, you know, and catch the ball out of the backfield, they can make plays they can pick up chunk yardage, but you'd just like to see, you know, one of those guys behind next year, whether that's a Isaiah Spiller or a Brees Hall or a, you know, Kenneth Walker or Brian Robinson or, you know, one of those, you know, big running backs that hopefully the team will finally get around to to actually deciding they're going to, you know, use a draft pick on on one of these guys as Amir White or, a, you know, Zach Charbonnet, somebody like this who can actually charge the running game a little bit rather than, you know, continue just to, you know, pick off 180, 190-pound guys and expect them to carry the ball as much as possible and it's just not in their wheelhouse. Yeah, and and I think it's it has a lot to do with the the playbook as well. They're not an they're not a zone running team, and I understand Savan Ackman is their their fastest running back. So why isn't he taking all the outside zone runs? They're giving them to Miles Gaskin. I don't understand that. Savan Ackman gets a lot of the inside zone runs. I think they implement their backs wrong, and I think that their game plan, their playbook, as far as the running game. It's not what they what they have on the offensive line. They have guys they could run a lot of leads with and gain three, four yards and call it a running game. You know what I mean? Yeah. But sure. they just they just won't do it. And they did it last year. Like I said, they weren't great last year. But every once in a while against again, like I said, against Los Angeles, against the Patriots, you showed up with a running game and you actually beat teams with your running game. But yeah, that's that's something for the off season. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this: uh, expectations are are back because if you look at the the schedule going forward, the next four games, they're favored in three of the four, and they're pick them in the other one against Carolina. Now, um, I'm no math major, but if they win four games that they're favored in, that puts them at seven and seven, and in the thick of the the playoff chase. Should this team be not be afraid of expectations? Is it is it too much to pile on, or it's time to put some more expectations back onto this team? I mean, the expectation is to beat three out of, or essentially four, but realistically, three really shitty New York teams. You know, the Jets twice, the Giants. That's not really expectation. You know, expectation should be to march into Lambeau and beat the Packers, or to you know into New England and stomp the Patriots again, or to march into Tampa and turn over the Buccaneers. That's expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your expectation shouldn't be to beat arguably the worst team in football than the New York Jets, you know, at home and away. That's not an expectation. Right? Look, these, these are big boys. You know, a lot of these kids have played national championship games, big games, been high school studs, college studs, 
you know, even, you know, you look at Austin Jackson, you know, played at USC, you look at Javon Holland, Jalen Waddell at Oregon and Alabama, you look at, you know, Mike Gesicki played at Penn State. These, you know, these guys have played in big games. There are expectations that come with come with that. This is the NFL. They're paid a lot of money. Go out and do your job. I mean, there's no more, no less, really. Yeah, and I, I tend to I tend to agree with you because I think at the end of these four games, if they do manage to pull it off, I think we're just going to look back at it and say, man, what a disappointing season it was. They did nothing extraordinary, and they actually blew the season in the first two months because it could have had a really good win total going into the final three games of the season. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. It's, there's, I don't know if there's a way to salvage it unless, you know, they, something out of the ordinary happens in these last eight games. If they lose, if they, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> if they lose to the, to the Jets, then in either of these two games, then we may as well just, um, we may as well just pack it in for this year. I mean, this is, you know, we're now entering absolute must-win territory. They must win on Sunday. There are no excuses because I think if, you know, the Panthers it, it will be a difficult game. The return of Cam, you know, he brings a whole different kettle of fish to the, to the, Equation that's a terrible mm. conflation of mist of um, you know, what I mean? um, you know, PJ Walker, you'd kind of like to face, you'd obviously like to face Sam, Sam Darnold. Cam is going to be rusty, but he brings some juice. McCaffrey back, obviously, yeah. the offense is decent, you know, they've got some decent playmakers on the perimeter with DJ Moore and with Terrace Marshall, and you know, some good players on defense. You know, Brian Burns can get after it, yeah. I mean, Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick could give us some serious fits on the um on the uh, off the edge you know really good Shaq Thompson's a really good player good players in the secondary Jeremy Chin's a good player the corner from LSU is a really good player so you know it's um that's a tough game that is a tough game um but it you know they need to it's a tough game they need to be winning they need to go you know they need to get into to a position where they're heading to New Orleans on Monday night football where they're 7 and 7 you know with a 5 6 game winning streak and thinking, you know what, this could just maybe turn into something, you know, because if they go on a Monday night football and they beat the New Orleans Saints in their own, that's expectation, that right there, you know, and then you take a seven-game winning streak to Tennessee the following week and a rematch against Ryan Tannehill and arguably the hottest team in the AFC at the moment, obviously a lot can change. That's expectation. And then you finish with hosting the New England Patriots and, you know, talked about it in the Only Fins chat yesterday. You know, talked about the Patriots at the start of the season. This is a dangerous football team now. You know, this is what they do. They kind of write off September and early October to get themselves right, to understand all the things they need to understand. And you've seen them over the last couple of weeks, taking good teams apart, you know, and that's what they do. Good quarterback play, good offensive line, strong running game, really good defense. Matthew Judon with 10 and a half, 11 sacks is absolutely flying off the edge. Secondary looks great. Great coaching, solid special teams. You know, I've seen this film before and I don't like it, you know. So th- that's expectation for the Dolphins. Anything less than seven and seven and, you know, this season is a washout. They can turn it around. They can absolutely turn it around, but they need to do it. And they need their their core players, their good core young players, especially to step up now and really make a stand. Yeah. And, and the Patriots have a, a really important stretch here. Uh, they yeah. do play the Falcons. On Thursday, that's, you know, that's not saying much, but that's almost a must win for them because then they run off. Check out this four game stretch, Simon, and tell me what you think of this four game stretch. Titans, Bills, Colts, Bills. 
Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm glad they played the Bills twice in that short period of time. But um, yeah, it will be. Don't forget, though, these are, there's three. So what are those four teams? Titans. So there's three, three out of those four quarterbacks that Bill Belichick has always had the kind of Indian sign over. Josh Allen twice and Ryan Tannehill once, you know. So Yes, and the other one is it. Carson Wentz, which is... The other one's Carson Wentz, obviously, but um, didn't play in that Super Bowl. But obviously, it's... um, Yeah, it will be interesting to see. These are good... You know, I, I think against the Tennessee team with Derrick Henry, um, then, you know, I've seen New England struggling. But you wonder with... with um, Well, Derrick Henry is out. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. But I think if he, were, if he was playing, I think if Julio Jones was playing, he's now on IR, you know... That's going to be a very interesting game. And you just think if the Patriots beat the Titans, you know, after all the Titans have done their big win at the weekend against New Orleans, you're suddenly starting to think, geez, you know, if they beat the Bills twice, all bets are off, you know? So, yeah, we shall see. Yeah. What I like about them is that they're gaining an identity. Like, you know what they do well. They don't yeah. try to do anything more than what they are. No, you know, exactly. They'll run the ball. They'll use play action. Their quarterback's going to be efficient, and then their defense is going to be really, really good. And they rush the passer well. So, yeah. you know, uh, it, that's going to be an interesting four-game set for them and kind of sets up that last meeting because, uh, you know, the whole AFC is clustering and helping the Dolphins out, essentially, because there's no standout. So they're, they're two games back with eight, eight to go. It's time to start winning some of these games, and this is one where, yeah, you talked about expectations. I guess the expectations have to be that they got to smash this Jets team on Sunday. I don't know if, if you agree with me or not, or I you mean, just take any win. I mean, I'll take any win, frankly. I mean, you, you'd like to see them. You can't come off a Baltimore win and, uh, you know, a semi-dominant performance in which they put down and then either lay an egg and lose or win by a point with a last-second field. I mean, yeah, that's great. You take the win. But now's the time you've got to start showing. You know, you look at go back to that game against Jacksonville. You know, the Dolphins should have been twenty-one nothing up after the first three or four drives. They can't keep missing opportunities. They can't shoot, keep shooting themselves in the foot with bad play or penalties or you know, missed opportunities, which is what happened. Which is why they, they let the Jaguars hang around and hang around and hang around, and eventually the Jaguars ended up killing them. And that's that's what happens. And that's what the yeah you know, the Jets beat the Titans. You know, lest we not forget, the Jets did beat the Titans. You know, and that mm. was a time thing with Derek Henry. So and they beat the Bengals. They beat the Bengals, Bengals too. So, you know, they're no mugs, this team, but you know, we need to mug them off. And that's the that's the difference. We need to, you know, the, the team that beat the Baltimore Ravens needs to arrive in you know the Meadowlands and, and stomp on their face. Yeah. And before we go to commercial break, I gotta ask you a question because uh Oji McDuffie got into it with I'm not even gonna acknowledge who this person was, but the guy was trying to tell OJ McDuffie he wasn't a top five wide receiver in Dolphin history. So I came up with my own list and there's like a uh on Twitter there's like a jihad just because I, I put Devontae Parker seventh on the list. Uh-huh. I don't know what you think of my list of the greatest dolphin wide receivers. I got my list as this Paul Warfield, Mark Clayton, yeah. Mark Duper, Nat Moore, OJ McDuffie. Chris Chambers, Devontae Parker, Irving Fryer, Jarvis Landry, Aranda Gadsden. Any issues with that list? Um, I mean, that's put me on the spot a little bit. Uh, I would probably go Warfield, uh, Duper Clayton, Pickham, Moore, Chambers in the mix, OJ, obviously, uh, Jarv. I mean, you go back and look at fucking Landry's numbers are ridiculous at the time that he played with the Dolphins. Yes, they are. Um, 
Who else? Oh, yeah. Irving Fry said, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rhonda Gadsden. Gadsden. Where would you put Howard Twilley? Uh, outside of the top 10. Yeah, Because then you get into Duriel Harris, you know? There's there's a few guys you could put in there. Tony Martin. Yeah, Tony Martin. Yeah. Tony Martin was pretty decent. I, I suppose you have to look at you have to look at Parker a little bit through the lens of the modern game. Yes. I mean the game has changed so much from you know the time of despite the numbers they put up, Duper Clayton and Moore, the time the game really, you know, Duper Clayton and Moore would be catching hundred balls a season for two thousand yards if it was, you know, nineteen eighty five all over again. Um, who's the most talented receiver you've ever had? The most talented? Yeah. Mark Clayton. Uh, and I don't think it's particularly close. I'd yeah, say Clayton speed, Fryer. That's a really good one, too. Irving Fryer was extremely talented. And one of the greatest off-seasons in Dolphin history. If yeah. you remember, we're talking about 1993, and the Dolphins are coming off a pretty long, prolonged run where they played in AFC Championship games. They played in a, in a Super Bowl. And they got to redo the entire wide receiver core. And they shipped out Mark Clayton and Mark Duper. And in came Mark Ingram and Irving Fryer. And they didn't lose a beat. They actually improved. So, yeah, yeah Irving Fryer, absolutely. Yeah. Who is the uh, – so 306 players in Dolphins history have caught passes, okay, if um, – <clears throat> if – uh, Mark Duper is number one with 8,869 yards. Who is number 306? Mm. Okay, that's a good Preston Williams. No, <laughs> wow, who is number okay? Wow, I get a feeling it's on this team. Is it's not a is, is it Isaiah Ford? No, how could it be Isaiah Ford when he had a 62 or 52 yards. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Wow. Who is it? Who is that? Who is the 306th and final player on the list of yardage of, of, of passes caught as a Miami Dolphin? Wow. No idea. Uh, he has one catch for minus six yards. One target, one reception, minus six yards. Hmm. Who is that? Ready? Yeah. Daniel Constantine Marino. So he threw a pass. I got batted back into the air. He caught it. And I don't know it. how it. I don't know how it played out. Do you know who's at number three hundred and five? One place above him. Somebody that was on the team last year. Uh, he's now ripping up trees for the Eagles again. Not Jordan Howard. <laughs> Jordan Howard, one catch, one target, minus three yards. By the way, there, there, there's something going on. Or he he completely dogged it last year. Have you been watching Jordan Howard? Scheme. Scheme. <laughs> it has to be. He he looks competent again. He looks yeah. fine. He's getting he, five yards to carry. I always thought he was one of the best outside inside outside zone runners in the league, and I just thought I just think it was schematic. He also looked fat in Miami. Yes. You know, he just looked. Fine. Yeah, and now he's now he's now he's killing it with the with the Eagles. All right, prediction time. Well, what happens this this Sunday, Simon? They beat him by a lot, a little. I'm going Miami thirty five. Wow. Jets sixteen. 
I'm thinking somewhere on there. They got to get into the 30s. The, the Jets have, ar- have allowed 45 points in three out of the last four games. So I, I'm going to say they do a little less than 35. But four touchdowns nonetheless, 31 and, yeah, 16, same score, 31-16, somewhere around there. All right. Um, after this commercial break, we will have Chris Kaufman. Just a quick note before we finish. Uh, yes. Brian Flores is talking right now, and he says that Tua is going to take the throwing wet reps this week, or most of them. He reiterates there is some discomfort in the finger, but that he is doing better. Yeah, uh, that's that's good to hear. All I want to hear is that he's starting and he's going to play. End of story. And Jacoby yeah. Brissett's nowhere near <laughs> there. So, all right. Uh, see you after these words. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. And we're back. And as promised, Chris Kaufman is here. Hello, Chris. Hello. Um, Dolphins signed Jake Luton. You saw that? And yours truly huh. had the story. Uh, I beat everybody to it. I beat... Did I even you? Beat, yeah, I beat Barry Jackson by 30 minutes. Congratulations. And of course, I had it first on OnlyFans. Uh, of course. I put course. it on OnlyFans and I said, you know what? I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let these all these other assholes take credit for this shit. I'm going on Twitter and I'm breaking it myself too. So I broke the story on Twitter. It's not much of a story, you know, signing Jake Luton. No, I guess not. But uh it's interesting that um you know I saw it I saw you say it on OnlyFans and I, I didn't think it was breaking news. I, I didn't think it was you breaking news. I thought it was you just like saying what what somebody else <laughs> said already no. on Twitter, so yeah, uh, it's verifiable. Didn't, didn't, give you the, check... didn't give you the credit that you deserved there. No, yeah, you can check my Twitter account. I beat everybody else, all the beat writers. I beat them all. Mm-hmm. Beat them all by half an hour. So yeah, um, if you saw him play last year, he had a fabulous game against the uh, the Houston Texans. Jake Luton. Mm-hmm. 6'6", 230, good arm, smart kid, 33 in, in the Wonderlick. His problem was that they started him another game after that Houston Texans game, and he was god-awful the other two times they trotted him out there, including a four-interception effort against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, it's kind of ridiculous that we don't still have Reed Sinet right now. Yeah. it's kind of That's kind of ridiculous. Like, why? why? That was a mistake. I don't, I don't understand that one, but you know yeah and whatever i understand okay you're not going to straight up cut jacoby Brissett. although i wouldn't mind you know first of all let, let's let's establish that would you have just cut jacoby Brissett and promoted recent no no but you didn't need to right you could just promote him right yeah or protect him tell, protect him all year tell, no? protect him protect him or you know, is the 53rd man on the roster really that valuable? Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't get it. I don't get why he's not still here, but hey, that, that was their choice. 
they've made some weird choices like Jared Dokes. You know, Jared Dokes has been on the protect list every single week this season. Has he? Yes. That, that can't be. They're, they're only allowed to protect the same guy in, um, a couple of times, isn't it? Isn't I it think true? it. No, I think you could, you could keep protecting them. At least that's what Barry Jackson told me. I'm just oh. taking whatever what Barry Jackson said as fact. Well, he said yeah. Jared Dokes is the only guy that's been protected all season. Huh. Um, that's weird because I didn't think you were allowed to do it like more than like four times or something like that. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on Jake Wooten? Well, and, and Simon and I used to talk about him coming out of the draft, and and we liked him quite a bit. You know, um, there was, I think, there was a lot to like there. Um, I thought that you know, I'd I'd watched. He was a guy that I had watched. Uh, previously, you know, prior to his, his last year um, at, at Oregon State, it was Oregon State, right? I'm mm-hmm. not going crazy, am I? Um, I had watched him previously to to that last year, and I remember that he didn't look very interesting to me because he just looked like another one of these um, these these big guys who don't have a very you know fast process, mm-hmm. and. Um, and you know you see that a lot and um and then i remember i watched him in his final year at oregon state and it was it it looked way it looked far different um you know it was it was pretty surprising to me um that he uh that he really you know had improved that much um so i mean i think that He's, I mean, he's a tall, big-armed guy, and he's been through. Uh, he when he went when he played at Oregon State. I mean, he he went through the school of hard knocks. I mean, they, they, he wasn't he wasn't well protected there, and um, and they things were not easy. And yet he, because of that, he developed a pretty impressively fast process. That was the thing that I noticed about him. Um, you know, we're talking way back in uh, January of 2020. Uh, so it was it was interesting. Uh, he's definitely one of the guys that I was like I would appreciate him being here, um, but I would appreciate Reed Sinet being here more. Mm-hmm. And Reed Sinet, uh, as as I understand it, he's still with the Eagles and on the practice squad and being protected. Right? They protected him. I well, wait a minute now. Um, I thought they I thought they put him on the roster. Did they? Uh, I mean, in order to steal them, that's what they had to do, right? Um, I believe so. You know what? Let me let me go look at this up. Look I mean, I'm looking up. at it right now, and uh, and my man is on the roster. Oh boy, Still. he's going to take over for for Jalen Hurts any any moment. Well, it's Jalen Hurts, Gardner Minshew, and and uh, mm-hmm. and Reed Sinet. That's where Gardner um, Minshew ended up with. Yeah, that's where Gardner Minshew ended up. Uh, they traded for him, didn't they? Yes, they did. Now that yeah, I remember, they, yes, they, they did. traded. They traded for Gardner Minshew, but uh, Reed Sinet's number three on that. And um, you know, it's actually kind of interesting. Reed Sinet, uh, he he was at, he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I, I've heard him talking about. You know, I he, he was in a room. He was in a room with Tom Brady. I mean, he was he was at a position in position same year Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, and, and also, you know, Bruce Arians is teaching him and, and stuff like that. He goes to Miami. I mean, he's in the quarterback room. Dan Marino's there. 
right? You know, yeah. he's in every all the quarterback meetings, and um, and so he's learning with Dan Marino and you know to a tongue by low, I guess. But um, now he goes to the Eagles and he's learning with uh, Gardner Minshew. <laughs> and I think it's a little. I, I think it's and Jalen Hurts, and I think it's a little bit different. <laughs> uh, Donovan McNabb and Ron Jaworski they don't show up. Yeah, but they're not in the room with them. No, I just made that. They're, I mean, they're they're they they might their names might be on the stadium the somewhere. Yeah, but like he was he was actually in quarterback meetings, learning from Tom Brady in quarterback meetings, learning from Dan Marino. Now he goes to uh, Philadelphia and he's in quarterback meetings, learning from Gardner Minshew. <laughs> that's because oh, that's the seasoned vet. Yeah, you know, he's a free like, agent at the end of the season, so that could be an inspired move. Yeah, you know, I mean, not, Gardner Minshew is only—I think he's only a third year. He's a, and he's a seasoned vet, but he—but he's like he's older than normal. And he's the an dude was, soul. yeah, he—the dude was supposed to be a coach at Alabama before he decided to give playing one last shot at Washington State. Um, and and he went to Washington State and lit the world on fire and ended up drafted and then you know given given a real shot in Jacksonville and and so you know you know the story but um but he was supposed to be a coach at Alabama under Nick Saban <laughs> he's decided well you know I'll play it one last time it's like something out of a um out of a an old HBO show or something like that. <laughs> yeah now I, I like to do this this uh, exercise with with people. It's called, uh, do you know who Gardner Minshew is? And I'm going to ask you, Chris, do you know who Gardner Minshew is? I I, I think I know who Gardner Minshew is. Um, okay. Why now, wouldn't I? Okay. What's your assessment of, of Gardner Minshew as an NFL quarterback? And trust me, trust me, listener, we will get into the Jets, although. Why would we? You know, but why would we? Um, yeah. This is but way let more me fun. ask you. Uh, I'm asking you point blank. Uh, don't start digging. Okay. No, I'm not, that, not, that comes no, later. I'm not digging. <laughs> that comes later. Okay. What is your assessment of Gardner Minshew as an NFL quarterback? The guy, well, like, are we talking like qualitatively, like, uh, like how good is he? Or are we talking about yeah, how what good he, is, what he? he is? Is he, because is he a bad he quarterback, is... middle of the pack? Good. Oh, no. The, the dude, the dude is a backup at best. But, um, but he, you know, he's, he's got some moxie. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of a weaker armed version of matt moore that's okay. what I, I believe i always compared him i believe i compared him to matt moore even coming out of the draft um but yeah like uh he always he reminds me of a weaker arm I mean, he, he he's there's no doubt he's got a pop gun arm um and you, you know he, he always has but um he's always had some moxie about him he, you know he struck me as so weird when he was at eastern carolina or east carolina like i, I used to watch him and it was just like there's something really off-putting about him, <laughs> about the way that they played football. And it's almost just like, you know, like this this thing that you love to hate, but also like you love to watch. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird. But then he grew up, he, he got a lot better at uh at Washington State. Um, he's never been particularly mobile, but he does have moxie. You know, he's got what he lacks in wheels, he makes up for sometimes in balls. Um but uh, but he doesn't have uh, he doesn't have an arm whatsoever, and uh, like I said, he was supposed to be a coach. So um, so the guy is respected for his in- intelligence. So I, I guess in that way, you can almost even put him in a in camp with a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Except you know Ryan Fitzpatrick, I believe it or not, has always been physically more um, 
you know, has, has been physically more talented, I think, than Gardner Minshew uh, has ever been. Okay. Now here's my, my favorite part of this, this little exercise that I do with people. Go look his num- Go look up his numbers. <laughs> go look up his numbers the last two seasons before he went two for two with the Eagles this season. You might be in well, for a surprise. <laughs> why do you do you think they're particularly? I mean, he they're had good. a good year, right? They're good. Well, his passer rating is pretty good. Is decent. I think 37 touchdowns to 11 interceptions is pretty good, isn't it? I mean, that's, yeah, that's a pretty good career. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting at. And 5,541 yards on 799 attempts, which breaks down somewhere around 4,100 per 550, which is not terrible. Yeah, but under, I mean, we're talking, we're talking about under, under seven yards per attempt. I mean, the dude was the dude was just throwing short passes. Everywhere. He actually had some decent weapons in Jacksonville too. Some was, I mean, some underrated weapons. I thought because I, I always had respect for Keelan Cole, um, you know, and what what he could what he could do. Uh, obviously, he had Lavisca Chenault last year and DJ Chark as well, uh, and then James Robinson is you know cr- who was criminally underrated. A year ago, which is why I drafted him fantasy this year, but um, but you know he's he's not underrated anymore. People are recognizing what a what a great talent he was. But I mean, just think about last year. I mean, Keelan Cole's a, a talented player, um, a good little a good slot player with lots of quickness and savvy. He had Lavisca Chenault, Keelan Cole, DJ Chark, and James Robinson, and Chris Conley, and Tyler Eifert that he was throwing to last year. So it's like that's a, that's that's kind of an underrated cast, you know, for the Jacksonville Jaguars who are not mm. regarded well, who are one in fifteen. But you know, I, I think that the bottom line with Gardner is that he was in Jacksonville. Is he was kind of the poster boy for um, for uh, garbage yard and uh, garbage yards and garbage time efficiency um, during not winning performances, you know. Uh, Sometimes I think Tua gets accused of that here, except mm-hmm. then they, they forget that Tua actually keeps bringing them back and making them competitive in the fourth quarter, which is the very not the very not definition of garbage time. Um, so I think that uh, I think that he was he benefited quite a bit. Gardner Minshew did. I, I don't think he's going he's regarded as a as a starter in this league, even though um, not even a Brad Johnson type of starter. I don't think. Um, I think, but a pretty yeah. damn good backup, right? Yeah. I, well, you know, backups are backups. They're the backups are never backups because they're pretty damn good. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's just that's the that's the way it is. That's the sort of the that's the fallacy of great backup in the NFL, or of the really good backup in the NFL is um, is just you know none of them. If, if they were good, they wouldn't be back. Like if you if they were they're going to go out in the field and put together a performance that you'd really that you'd really be interested in, they wouldn't be backups. Yeah, and and there is something to say about the Jaguars after their you know after that he went six and six as a starter as a rookie, and had a decent year. You know, twenty one touchdowns and six picks is pretty decent for a rookie. They looked around and the following year he goes one and seven, and they're like, yeah, let's just get this. Let's just get this guy the hell out of here. 
<laughs> take Trevor Lawrence. So that's like in, in between the lines and in between those stats, there's something that they saw. They said, nah, it's not going to happen. So, which leads me to my question, uh, Jake Luton, something or nothing there going forward. Do uh, we have a, do we have a chances possible are nothing? <laughs> okay. Chances are nothing. Um, like I said before though, I, I did appreciate, I did appreciate, um, you know, what his, what his process was coming out mm-hmm. and, but the odds are against him. Um, I will say this, and this is unrelated, but, but why is, why is Todd Gurley tweeting about the dolphins as of two hours ago? Because like, a rapper called young Dolph uh, died. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Is that what happened? That's okay. what happened. So he tweeted because he's out also and- he's also just before that he's tweeting he's tweeting something about like yeah I mean he's tweeting he's tweeting like he's got to hit up Nobu this week like <laughs> no, Nobu's in Miami right yes there's also I one mean, in New York oh well, I guess uh, I don't know maybe it, it's nothing it's nothing I'm just I'm just like what what is what is going on here yeah. Although that, that would say a lot if, like, if we're going to be getting excited on this podcast over Todd Gurley about right? Todd Gurley. I mean, I yeah, once like, upon a time we'd have been getting really excited. Yeah, you know, about two years ago, <laughs> you know, years ago. so somewhere around about two years ago we would have been pretty excited about Todd Gurley, which yeah, leads us uh, since we're talking about two years ago. Why not ten years ago? Joe Flacco was starting this weekend. Excited? Oh my god! Him. Yeah, that's right. Excited about this as a Dolphins, yeah. as yeah, a Dolphins fan, seeing how he played against us last year. Yes, I'm very excited about it. <laughs> okay. um, as a Dolphin fan, seeing him previously go like six and zero against us before last year, yeah, I not, not good, right? I would not be so excited about it. But but um, but last year, like we kind of we kind of dreaded. I remember this. I remember we we kind of dreaded it last year. We're like, oh man. You know, by all rights, we should just absolutely trash him disgustingly, you know, last year. Um, but, you know, he had this record against us <laughs> mm. and it, um, and and we're like, yeah, we're. This is this this could be something to keep an eye on. And then we won the game 24 to nothing. Yes, <laughs> and it was never really close. I remember. No, I, no, it wasn't. It was. I mean, and, and Flacco did terribly. Games. It was one of those games where the announcers say, oh, the Jets have not crossed midfield yet. And it's like the beginning of the third quarter. <laughs> Joe Flacco had a 50 passer rating against us. That day. He also had a sack where at this point, you know, I don't care. Okay. You know, you're under pressure and, and a larger man is trying to bring you down. I don't give a shit, you know, ground the fucking thing. Right. He also took, what was it? A 38 yard sack or something like that against Emmanuel Ogba. Remember? Oh my god! I, I no, I did not remember that. But no. yeah, it was right before the half. It was like on he third had and eleven. Three, he had three sacks for thirty-eight yards. I know that. Um, and evidently, one of them was one of them accounted for all the thirty-eight yards. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous against Emmanuel Ogba. But yeah, that another another quirk of that game. Do you remember Ryan Fitzpatrick started that game? Do you remember what he was on third down and what the Dolphins were on third down on this day? No, I do not. Were they were they like Oh wait, this was the this was the what'd you say? One of ten? Oh for ten. 
0 for 10. That's right. This was the game where we couldn't convert a goddamn third down until, and I recall this, and I didn't look it up, I swear, um, until Until Tua came in. (laughs) Tua came in at the very end of the game, and he threw two fucking passes, I think. Yes. And one of them converted a third down. (laughs) And then then he was named the starter the very next game. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he was. And like so, I remember, Chad Gailey was asked about like to his to his like coming in and getting that was his first action as a dolphin, you know, a period. And um, and I remember Chad Gailey like coming in and he was like he was like cracking at cracking up and like you know yeah it looked looked pretty good on those two plays or whatever. Like he was, <laughs> yeah. he was just I mean he was totally deadpanning it. And then like and then the very next game. Like someone has to call Chan Gailey and be like, "Yeah, we're benching Ryan Fitzpatrick and we're putting Tua up." And he's like, "Wait, are you? Is this a crank call?" <laughs> you know my memory of that game. My memory of that game was the last play of the game. Tua does like a, an RPO and he gives it to Gaskin, and Gaskin cuts it inside and gets tackled for like a three or four yard gain. And Gaskin gets up from the pile. It's the game's over. And Tua goes, goes up to Miles Gaskin and tells him, no, you had the outside. You could have cut it to the outside. And Miles Gaskin looks at him like, what in the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Game's over. We're walking off the field. Why are you telling me to take it to bounce it outside? Like, what's the use? You know what I mean? But I just thought it, I just thought it was funny that, like, Chan Gailey had to, had to, was asked by our media. And, and I don't blame them, but, like, you know, he, he, like he had to give an assessment of Tua Tungavailoa coming in and throwing two passes or, or whatever it was. It was, yeah. it was amazing. It was amazing. And yet what's most amazing about it is that the assessment was completely appropriate because Tua was starting the very next game against the Rams. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you remember who <laughs> the, the Rams who nobody were? gave us a chance of beating? No, right? do you remember who the two completions were against? Uh, who they who were there? The two completions. Who who caught the two passes? The two uh, threw I, against the Jets. I do not remember offhand. I'd have to look it up. It was Patrick Laird and Jakeem Grant. <laughs> oh, Jakeem Grant. Yeah, I, yes. I should have figured one of them was. He Jakeem. who has fumbled three more times with the Chicago Bears. So it hasn't uh, been. Yeah, that, the Bears that, fans are just like. <laughs> They have inherited all of the Miami Dolphins fan vitriol. Uh, I feel bad for him. Grant. He's such a nice guy. Too. Such a good kid. He's, he's such a hard worker. Such a nice guy. A jackrabbit in practice. I mean, but stop fumbling, man. It, it's it's really too bad that it doesn't come together for him in the games because yeah. he's such a good practice player. He's you know he he looks good at times, and um, it's just I will I probably will never trust a super tiny player like him again just because i think the ball is so big in their hands it's like a it's like a freaking dodgeball or something and yeah. and like or a, you know, or a greased a greased up um uh, uh beach well ball. i mean but i mean think about it like if, if like try like try and be athletic and catch a dodgeball like you know and 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 do it without it bouncing off your hands or you know try and try and be athletic and not not have a dodgeball poked out of your hands or a beach ball poked out of your hands i mean it's just like like when the ball is so big in that little smurf's hands like it just it's just not very secure uh, yeah it's not good <laughs> and so and, and so i'm never gonna i'm never gonna trust a small guy like that again i don't think yeah. in terms of ball security and finishing catches 
Yeah, it's just not going to happen for him. Like that was my learning. That was my learning moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm probably going to get burned for it because there's probably going to be some you know super small dude like that. Like, well, the great thing is that we don't play the Bears for a while. So, you think you'll have a revenge game against us? I think he fumbled four times against us. I think he's capable four times. I think he's no. I don't. I don't think for some reason. I just think it's going to be the opposite of that. Like he's he's going to fumble it and he's going to muff like three punts, drop two balls, like including like a 60 yarder or something like that. I just have yeah. a feeling. Yeah. Xavier Howard got named uh, defensive player of the week, by the way, for the AFC. As he should. As he should. Okay. Not, not Javon Holland. Cause I argued this with, with Simon and Simon's like, well, you know, uh, the other guy made no. the, the more memorable play. No, I, I agree. I agree with, I agree with Xavier Howard on this one. I All think right. that, yeah, that, that play was a, I mean, it, 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 it turned, it's not that the game turned, it turned on a dime or anything. Cause it was, it was competitive, but um, it was just, you know, it, it was basically the play that to me won the game, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that it, and it was just like this mammoth play that he made too. It wasn't, it yeah, wasn't he did all like, of it. It he wasn't. Yeah, he it, did all. He picked of it. it up it and then he ran it in. Yeah, ex- and, and and like that run back, like there was no taking there. He was not taking no for an answer with respect to the goal line and the end zone. There, I mean, he just like how many guys in that situation you see run out of bounds? Yeah, or, you know they're they're trying, but they're you know they're not quite they're not quite able to elude the defense. I mean, he. This dude had a will on that play, and it and he turned it into a truly great play, like the sort of play that you can remember for a while. Um, yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked to learn that that was only his second touchdown as a Dolphin. Like that is a little shocking, right? Right, and it's and his first one was a, a pick six against the Broncos in his second season. It's a little shocking, especially given that sort of nose for the end zone that he displayed like that, that unwillingness to, to go down and settle. Yeah. Cause as soon as he scored, I started thinking to myself, okay, that has to be like his fourth or fifth. And he has to be challenging Jason Taylor for the, the dolphin record, which I believe is seven. I think Jason Uh, Taylor has seven. Doesn't Zach Thomas have like six or something like that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Zach Thomas is like right Yeah, he's right behind Jason Taylor, but Jason Taylor played a little longer. So Jason Taylor, I think, I think got to seven. But then I was, you know, I learned, oh, he only has two. So he has a long way to go to catch JT. Mm -hmm. But yeah, talking about expectations, if you look at the next four games, and and I asked Simon this too, and Simon had a different answer. He he had a, a more, like, he made me think about it a little bit more. If you look at the next four games, Dolphins are favored in the next four. Against Carolina, the early line is pick them. But mm-hmm. depending on what happens this weekend, who knows? Maybe the Dolphins are a point favorite or so against Carolina. They're home for a month after this week. Um, I'm no math major, but if they win those four games, they'll be at seven and seven and in the thick of all of this. Is it time to be in expecting the, in them? The to... thi- in the thick of it. Yes. <laughs> Is it That's time to start mind. expecting them to do this to try to salvage the season? Like, you know, they're being presented with another opportunity. Look, you're favored. You're playing, theoretically, teams that are inferior to you for the next four weeks. 
and you're playing almost all of them at home, and then you don't get to leave home for an entire month. Like, the NFL couldn't have handed this team a better opportunity. Go for it now. Isn't that the You know, it's it actually would not – well, it, it wouldn't surprise me totally to see them get back to seven and seven or not what is it yeah seven and seven and then Mm -hmm. and then just blow it by losing the the next three um (laughs) you know that's remember they died at the end of last year and and they still they still haven't proven that they can that they can can carry momentum through to the end of the year Mm -hmm. um under brian flores so, I mean, I don't think you're wrong that this is this is the Jets. We should even in New York and we're facing Joe Flacco and we should be able to just solidly win this game. And then we're playing the Carolina Panthers at home and then we're playing the New York Giants at home and then we're playing the New York Jets at home. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons to believe that we should win those games. Um, you know, the I don't think I mean. I guess I guess the Giants the Giants did win an overtime game on the road. I didn't think they had a win on the road this year, but um, yeah, I mean there's 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 definitely there's definitely reasons to believe that um, that we should do that. But but then what? Because then we play the Saints and the Titans and the Patriots in the final game of the year. Mm-hmm. And what good is it going to be? that we managed to tie it back up to seven, seven, when we finished seven and 10, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, and I, I just don't know that they found their answers yet, particularly on offense. I mean, is Will Fuller ever going to play again? I mean, I suppose there's upside if he does. Um, and he makes and, some sort of, and I'm Will Fuller and I'm Will Fuller. I can't get a, a straight answer. I have, I've, I've tried to dig into what's wrong with his finger. And I had somebody tell me, no, he broke it in half, his middle finger on his right hand. And then um, I have somebody else tell me that he should really be out for the entire season, but he's holding out hope that he can play, but that he had shattered his middle finger on his right hand. So I don't know what that means. Yeah. But I guess we shall see. But I, I, you know, I always maintain, you know, okay, you're a wide receiver. Obviously a finger catching a football is kind of important, but there's nothing wrong with taping it. And then running really fast in a straight line that could help the offense as well. You know <laughs> oh, what I mean? Bob. Yeah. <laughs> you know um, what I mean? Yeah. So. But, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, but if they say they do get there, I mean, do we have any cho- any chance of going on the road against the Saints and winning? Going on the road against the tit- the Titans. Well, when the you Titans. go on the road, here's the thing: when you go on the road to play the Saints, uh, Drew Brees is not their quarterback. Trevor yeah, Simeon I- is their quarterback. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> okay. Um, if if you're intimidated by Trevor Simeon, then you know, then the team is worse than we thought. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I guess so. And then what else do you have? A team that you beat at home to close the season, the the Patriots, and Ryan Tannehill. Ryan no Tannehill. Derek Henry, he's up for the year. So you see what I'm getting? The, getting at the the football gods are putting their finger on the scale. Are we gonna take advantage of it? You know, the, the way that the most dolphin way that this all ends is that we miss the playoffs and then we, we have to we have to look back at it and mm-hmm. realize that that overtime loss to the to the Raiders. Yes. That walk off field goal to the Jaguars. Or sorry, yeah, the walk off field goal to the Jaguars and the walk off field goal to the Falcons. Mm-hmm. 
Like those were the difference between us actually being a playoff team and, Absolutely. and, and, and not. And um, I would bet know. on it, actually. Yeah, I would bet on it. I think yeah. like an eight and nine finish starting to feel good to me. I do think that they're going to win four in a row here. What but happens I do, th- if but they I do, do. think they're going to lose the, two out of the last three, and that's what's be the, the change. What's the change in quarterback narrative if they if they do that? Like, or will it? Uh, I don't know. I think it might even hurt them. I think, think it might so? even hurt Tua Tungabailoa because I think that they'll convince themselves defense is right there. All we need is a little tinkering. If we get an elite quarterback, voila, twelve wins. Mm. You know what I mean? Especially if they get to nine wins, which is. Nine wins is a hell of a finish, okay? That means that they're just going to lose one more game the rest of the way, which is... That's a, fair, that's a fair point, you know, like to think about, like, if they... The more at some point, you know, at some point right now, pulling one out against the Ravens and, and you know, helped change his narrative for the good, but at some point they start winning too much, you know, if he's not also piling on these you know herculean stats yeah then um then people are going to start looking at it a different way be like hey this is a good team we just need that we just need that deshaun watson guy Mm -hmm. you know to put us over the edge and um and then we're back to an off season of headaches (laughs) yes that's probably where, where we're headed okay but yeah, I'm I'm fine with with piling on some expectations on this team. They they failed to meet most for the the entire season, so why not you know put another obstacle in their way? It's not much of an obstacle. I know people are saying some people have told have told me like okay, now you're you're moving the goalposts and making it more difficult. No, no, I'm not. I'm making it easy on them. They got to win four games that they're favored in. Well, you three know, of them at home. You know what I mean? Here's the thing. Here's the thing though. They are the, what is slamming into place right now is a defensive turnaround, and that's what we're that that is what we have seen. We started to see it against the Buffalo Bills, right? Yes. Um, it, it, the score ended up twenty six eleven. You know, By the way, not to interrupt I, you, but uh, you know that that they're on exact pace on turnovers from last year, and oh, yeah. the number yeah. one in quarterback hits. I I've heard that as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> I heard both of those things. Um, but so they started to turn around the defensive turnaround against the Buffalo Bills. Um, certainly a hell of a defensive performance against the Houston Texans. Hell of a defensive performance against the Baltimore Ravens. They almost like they scored a net. They, they allowed like a net of three points, right? Against the Ravens yes. or something like that. As, yes. or maybe the Ravens on their touchdown drive had 68 yards in penalties. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Out of out of ninety out of ninety two earned. So and some of those penalties were truly bullshit, right? Yes. Wasn't there? So they earned the about twenty yards, like that. Wasn't there a blow to the head that didn't exist or something like that? Yes. Like, Javon Holland got called for a blow to the head. That didn't to be exist. fair, at his own goal line, we should have been off the field early on in that drive. But mm-hmm. um, Jerome Baker got a little bit too excited and decided to plant. I don't know if you saw that play. I saw decided that to plant. Play. Decided to plant Lamar Jackson on the back of his head, which is a no-no nowadays. Yeah. So that one was legitimate. That yeah, it was it was semi-legit to me. I I was I was still as a fan, I was still pretty pretty pissed off at that one. But I mean, the Javon Holland one was egregious. Um, yes, it was. I, I thought, it and just, it was on third down too. 
it was just fictitious is what it was but um yeah and it was on third down they were going to get off the field but anyway so defensive turnaround i believe a defensive turnaround from this team i i do i i think that um you know this is this is brian flores specialty this is a defense that actually does have more talent now than they did before mm-hmm. um there's obviously been some some issues uh transitioning to this year's defensive approach maybe they decided to call things a little bit differently on second down versus third down than they did a year ago um and it and came back to bite them in the ass um but i believe a defensive turnaround have we any signs any signs even with Tua tonga violo at quarterback any signs that we're seeing an offensive turnaround no no whatsoever i, don't, I, I mean, just don't see it just not yet, because I mean, we, we still have a, a truly terrible offensive line. Um, it's not like it's not like we're getting we're starting to establish like a physical ground attack or anything like that. Nope. Like it's 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 bad, right? I mean, we're score yep. we're we're a seventeen we are a seventeen points per game type of offense, which is not good. Last time that's a, that is a bad team. Right, that is yeah. that is, just... and I get on here every single year, and they, they're nowhere near it. I and I say, what, what is was it? What is it that I always say every single year? Average three touchdowns per game. Yeah, they're nowhere well, you near. You got that. to, and, <laughs> and nowhere... three touchdowns plus, and usually you, yes. you want three touchdowns plus. Yeah, usually when you get three uh, touchdowns, you're gonna get a couple, get a couple field more goals. field goals, and you're yeah. gonna be in the sevens or so. Yeah, yeah, I mean? something like that. Um, we have not seen any sign that 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 we have a truly turning around offense, a true turnaround happening on offense um not against the ravens who we we legitimately only scored 15 offensive points mm-hmm. against the ravens um and that you know the the ravens defense is not immaculate <laughs> by no, they, no. they allowed 41 to the cincinnati Bengals and 31 of the vikings to in the two yeah, games the, right before, no no right the the, the ravens defense can't rush the passer. They're bad against the pass, but they're really good against the run. But like I said last week, Dolphins don't run it, so it works out perfectly. So them. can you? But so so then the question becomes: If we have not seen the signs yet of an offensive turnaround, only the defensive turnaround, can you even count on this next streak that you've kind of laid out, where we go up and beat the Jets in New York? We come back home and beat the Carolina Panthers and the New York Giants at home. And then we have a bye week and we come back and beat the Jets at home again. Can we trust even that when the offense is still an awful offense? And what, in order to win even those games against bad teams, what ends up hap- having to happen is that the defense has to be like the second coming of the, the you know, the 2000, the 2000, um, Ravens, Baltimore Ravens, or was, was it in 1999? I forget. Um, no, nah, I think it was the 2000 Ravens. Yeah, it was the 2000 Ravens, and uh, or, or the or the 2000. <laughs> I think it was 2003 or something like that. The Buc- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that was so mm-hmm. so incredible with Warren Sapp. Um, they were they were right on pace with like that that Ravens defense. Uh, although the Titan, the year the Ravens defense was that way, the Titans made, you know, still still claim they were the number one defense. Um, but anyway, like they would have even just to beat those bad, those four bad opponents. That's the kind of defense that we and and to be fair, we've in the last two games, we fielded that sort of defense. 
mm-hmm. against the Texans and the Ravens. But are we really going to keep that up against the Jets, the Panthers, the Giants, and the Jets again um, to where we're going to go 4-0? I mean, I think if, if Simon begs to differ about this next four games, you know, that's, that's the basis of it. Can we really expect greatness, greatness from a unit for the next four games over the next yeah what, what simon said that and i found and i found it made me think he said he doesn't find the next four games all that interesting if they were to go four now he says he would find interesting after going four and oh being at seven and seven traveling to new orleans and doing the job over there yeah he said that would get him excited mm. if they go to eight and seven because then you start to believe like okay this team you know they're putting it together now well, everybody would, and that's exactly the time when they would pull the rug out from under us by losing like 43 yeah. to nothing against the Titans and then losing, you know, 36 to nothing against the They can't Patriots. lose 43 to nothing to Ryan Tannehill and nothing else. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, Dude, AJ those Brown. Titans have only lost two games. I mean, yes, I you know. Know, yeah, yeah, what's his name is out, but they won anyway. Derrick Henry yeah. is out, but they won yeah. anyway. They're winning behind good defense and the arm of Ryan Tannehill. The arm of Ryan. Yes, well, that's I'm, that's actually a thing that's happening. It is a thing, to be fair. You know, we also talked about the about the the surging Patriots, but the Patriots are going to hit a, a wall here because they're playing Atlanta. But you know who they play after they play Atlanta? No, Buffalo, Tennessee, Colts, Buffalo. That's a murderer's row. Yeah, uh, as long as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, which which Patriots are we are we seeing right now? Like, you know, it's a murderer's row last year with last year's mm-hmm. Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but which Patriots are we really seeing right now? Like, there's there's a lot to be said about whether they've got they've got things the way they want, and mm-hmm. um, and and if that's the case, then they're basically unbeatable in November and December. I mean that's that's the Patriots that we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the if Patriots have. This is a, team, this if they're is a gonna, team that's basically unbeatable in November and December. Yeah, if they're gonna if they're gonna prove themselves, quote unquote, prove themselves this four game stretch, where they play the best team in the AFC, mm-hmm. the Titans, they play the Bills twice inside of a month, and the Colts, who no matter what well, they 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 seem five to show games up because they do have to play the falcons first yeah but the falcons that's like a, a warm-up don't lose the falcons you lose the falcons you know season's over it's it's <laughs> i don't know it it's not a warm-up and i'll i would warn people against that for this reason alone it mm-hmm. is a thursday night game on the road it is a short turnaround week week yeah i mean they just they just played sunday they played against the cleveland browns and now they're already playing tomorrow on the road that's mm-hmm. never a that's never an easy feat and no. I don't care who the opponent is. Well, it's prediction time. Uh, care to know what Simon predicted? I don't know if this is good or not. But he predicted Miami Dolphins 35, New York Jets 16. See, I can't get behind that because I can. When have we I seen couldn't the either. Signs of, when have we I seen the signs either. of this offensive turnaround, though? I couldn't either. So I went with 31-16. But I did give the Dolphins a little bit of credit because – the Jets have given up 45 points three out of the last four weeks. So can Tua – maybe they got a defensive score, and it helps. 
you know, Tua puts up 24, the defense gets the other seven to get him to 31. You know, that's not bad. I I don't I don't support this. <laughs> I, I just so don't give us, because, so because do you the offensive them, line is not any better. Do you expect you know? them to just smash the Jets? Cause no, I what I expect is what I would not be surprised by, and probably would be my more more to taste on my prediction is like a either either a sixteen to three victory or a sixteen to ten victory that comes about because of some fluky touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> that you would know, not inspire confidence. No, it wouldn't. But but I mean, like seriously, what what do what do we have to have confidence in on the offense? Anywhere you look other than the quarterback position. And even that, you know, we're kind of still like, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, I'm being honest here. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, we're all, we all believe in Tua Tunga Bailo, but we, we recognize he has not proven himself. Um, but nowhere on that offense can you be confident except for Mike Gesicki. And Waddle. I like Jalen Waddle. Yeah, but he's he's not gotten he's not gotten tracked. He's still catching what like eight yards a catch or something like that. I mean, it's, yeah, he's it's doing the, the Jarvis Landry thing. Yeah, it's a it's a and and we have not seen. I, I got this brought up to me, and it's it's a fair point. Like, why haven't we seen him shake loose? Like, yeah, yeah I, I get it. He's being used like Jarvis Landry and stuff like that. But this is a guy that was dynamic after the catch. Why haven't we seen that yet? We, yeah. we know he's fast. We know he gets open easily because he's fast. And he's agile. He's actually pretty savvy for a receiver in terms of uh, in terms of how he gets open. But why haven't we seen him really shake loose? There's a certain amount. There's a certain amount of want to that seems to be missing from his game after the catch. In my perception, this year as a rookie, like there's a certain willingness. Let's just put it this way. Xavier Howard on that interception return showed an unwillingness to take, you know, to settle that I don't think I've seen from Jalen Waddle on a single catch. Well, uh, in that same game, I was going to bring this up because it, it seemed like an odd play to me. Tua throws that out on third and seven. Waddle catches it at six, runs over Marlon Humphrey for three more yards and gets the first yeah. down. Remember? Okay. That's, yeah, I do, I do recall that one now. Yeah. Okay, like that play made me like, oh, okay, you know, I hadn't seen that before. Still, it's still not on the same level of what Xavier Howard showed. No, that was like straight up Troy Palomalo. Like, but, but, yeah, I mean, I that attitude after the catch to me has been missing all year from Jalen Waddle. So to some extent, we're all just sitting here like going after the coaches, like, oh my God, how are you using Jalen Waddle? He's so fast, he's so dynamic. How is he? How is he the next Jarvis Landry? But some of that's on Waddle too, because I just have sensed a willingness to go down and live for the next play. And when you do that, then then that's what you, you, you and and you're used as sort of a slot short screen guy and and short passes and stuff. And well, yeah, that's how you end up with eight yards per catch, and you never you never get un untracked for a big one. Um, and so he needs to start. He needs to start not accepting no for an answer like with respect and when the defense is like is closing in on him all right so 
Do you have a number? Do you have a prediction? Because yeah, like I said, 16, it, 31, 16. We're talking, we're talking 16, 16 to three in my, yeah. uh, you know, unless, unless they get a fluky touchdown and I can even see 16 to 10. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ick there. Um, yeah. But Jets did beat the Titans and they beat the, the Bengals. So, yeah. I, what, what, you know, I, I think more than likely they get that fluky touch. And why don't we call it 16 10? All right. All right, that's it. There is no more. The next time we talk to you, Mission 7 and 7 will be one quarter of the way there. We'll talk about three games at home inside of a month after Monday. We will have results. Hopefully a win. Please get us a win. But till then. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything from t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days, like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use Staple 20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20.